got a big red cherry nose. Santa's got a big red cherry nose. Who laughs this way? Ho ho ho. Santa laughs this way. Ho ho ho. Ho ho ho. Cherry nose. Get on it. Sue that's red. That's the night. Here that's right. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the In Real Deep podcast. I'm your host, Steve Cimino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and with me, as always, is executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Hello. Ho, 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 Steve. Hey, you're so good at the themes, introductions. I love it. Just thought of that one. <laughs> Did you really? You haven't been practicing all day? Nope. Oh, wow. Well, good for you. Well, it's very clever, and I really appreciate it, and our fans appreciate it, I'm sure, too. A Merry Christmas. Uh, well, let's say Merry uh, Christmas at the beginning of every episode, too, as if like Christmas is not slowly yeah, approaching. because <laughs> we say Merry Christmas now. No, it's good. Uh, the tree is up. Uh, we have a two-year-old in the house now, so this is a year one of her wanting to grab every ornament on the tree, which is fun. That's very fun. That's perfect. And, yeah. and does she like this podcast yet? Have you played an episode for her? <laughs> No, I should do that though, just for her to be weirded out by hearing Daddy's recorded voice and Uncle be... Sam's voice too. If you and, played the last episode, Sam's. yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, if you're not, if, you, if this is, if you're hopping into this podcast series one episode in, shame on you because you are in the middle of Christmas month on the In Real Deep podcasts. You should go back and check out our The True Meaning of Christmas Movies episode, which is the intro to Christmas Month, where we sort of dissect the idea of Christmas movies and their, you know, realness as a genre, and their the subgenres that exist underneath them, and a bevy of other very in-depth <laughs> topics that would blow your mind. And those topics are revealed and discussed in detail by our special guest for this whole month, Sam Johnson. Hello, Sam. Oh, hello there. Hello there. If you uh if you couldn't tell that AJ with was a dad with his horrible hell ho ho joke, <laughs> you confirmed it three seconds later by talking about it too. Right? <laughs> he did. Well, he's the only one amongst us with a child who is experiencing the wonder of Christmas. Although Sam, your what your levels of wonder may be as high as Anna's levels of wonder at this point, I would say. Possibly higher. Possibly. My wife have to. My wife has to deal with someone experiencing the wonders of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, as I stated, this is the second in our Christmas month series, and if you listen to the first episode, you know which movie we're talking about today. And if you looked at the title of this episode, you also know, and it is Arthur Christmas, the wonderful animated Christmas adventure from 2011. It is quite a little romp. I didn't know of it until we even started doing this podcast. And Sam, I appreciate you picking it because it was nice to focus on a movie that I had not heard of or not been uh, rammed down my throat by the Christmas marketing machine for my entire life. So kudos for that, at least. It was fun to see a different movie and get a sort of, actually have something sort of new enter my eyeballs. I did not expect that this month. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so before we get too deep into this, let's do our beverage of choice segment. I have a beverage this time. It is not a Christmas beverage, but I'm going to share it anyway. It is a Modern Times Blazing World. Modern Times is a San Diego brewery. They make big, tall, delicious beers, and I am enjoying it. And as we get closer to Christmas, I promise to buy at least one Christmas beer to drink along with this podcast. That is my solemn swear to you, audience, and Andrew and Sam. Well, that's that's good of you. That's big of you, Steve. That, I have literally never heard of either of those brewery, brewery that brewery. So uh, that was just like a word vomit there. <laughs> uh, I am drinking a candy cane striped bass pale ale from Devil's Backbone Brewing Company. Uh, also, candy cane is not part of this, but I figured I would try and make it Christmas themed. So there you yeah. go. I went kind of the other way. I'm drinking a surly hell lager. <laughs> mm. I thought it was uh, ironic. Sur- <laughs> it's surly hell. <laughs> well, that's a different mix than the last episode where we were all everyone was trying to like make beyond theme. This whole word is all going off the rails. By the way, I'm ne- I'm never drinking eggnog for one of these again because I I was listening to myself and just could hear my voice like thickening over. Yeah, you like by the end you were like closing of off episode. like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was I was like I was getting Darth Vader choked by the end basically. <clears throat> <laughs> well, 
it's okay. That was podcast gold. So again, please go back and enjoy our first episode. If you haven't heard it, it was uh, Sam's debut. And Sam, you did a wonderful job. And we are very excited to have you back for more and to have you back for Arthur Christmas. Because my first thought when I put this movie on was this main character, the aforementioned Arthur, is literally Sam Johnson. Or at least is what you aspire <laughs> to be or what you in your heart you could. If, were you to be an animated feature film character he would be i would presume the top of your list so i'd love to hear you tell us your thoughts and i'd love to hear you just describe this movie to to our listeners because if they haven't seen it i can't, you're gonna paint such a beautiful picture that it's like they're gonna be there yeah absolutely um i mean arthur like dresses like i would dress if i lived in the north pole definitely <laughs> his amazing uh like silly christmas slippers and just like uh like a fantastic sweater that he thinks looks great and no one else does. Um, so like, yeah, I, this is honestly one of my favorite Christmas movies. <laughs> I think it's, it's such a great story. Uh, it touches on so many of the themes that we talked about, but basically Arthur is the, uh, we find out very quickly is the son of Santa Claus. Um, he is the, I, I think younger son uh, of of uh, two siblings, the older one is Steve, which is who is played by uh, who the hell is Steve played by Hugh Laurie? Hugh Laurie, oh, Doctor House, House himself. Yeah, yeah House, um, who is like you can tell that like Arthur is the bumbling oaf character that we uh, you find that out in like the first twenty minutes. Uh, like the the I was just reflecting the first twenty minutes of this movie is so tight. It sets up literally everything else that's gonna happen i mean it's only like an hour and 37 minutes but like from the like get-go you get okay arthur is answering letters writing with a fucking amazing glitter pen to <laughs> when. uh like he, all he cares about is christmas spirit and making sure that literally every child has like the best time ever and steve is just like caught up in his work all about status he's like well steve is his brother by the way Older um, brother, yeah. older brother, who is just caught up in status. He runs the whole oper- Christmas operation, <laughs> and like Arthur does everything he can essentially to to fuck up Steve's operation. Uh, like within the first twenty minutes, and Steve like manages everything efficiently, all that. Uh, but yeah, from a plot, sorry, from a plot perspective, uh, you know, Arthur. Uh, Basically, they find out that that uh, that a present hasn't been delivered uh, to one girl. So, uh, oh, sorry, let me back up. Let me back. <laughs> so, Steve has turned Christmas from like riding around a sleigh, Santa delivering things, to like a brutally efficient special forces elf operation. <laughs> Where all he does is like break into houses in the most efficient <laughs> way possible, uh, and and deliver presents in like 14.8 seconds. Uh, so like that is the landscape of the movie. Uh, Arthur's dad, Santa, um, is sort of a doddering old fool who is a figurehead. Figurehead, yeah. Um, yeah, and but but basically what happens is that um, Santa has his face on a on one on a toy uh as a kid is awake uh there's a key moment where all all the elves are watching a a dumb elf hits a button pushes the bicycle that's supposed to go to gwen into the wrong area essentially two billion presents are delivered uh but two billion and one presents needed to be delivered uh and that sort of kicks off the entire story which which uh which you know essentially like um, uh, it's just a, a series of hijinks, a, a series of hijinks and a- action scenes that, uh, that that really is just great. Yeah, Arthur and Arthur and his grandfather, former Mister Claus, played by Bill Nye, trying to deliver it. Um, Grand Santa. Yeah, so uh, I mean, well, this is definitely like a, I would say like a. Uh, a, a pretty charming film sort of in its 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 approach and uh and its conceit and uh after the way you were talking about uh arthur's older brother sam i realized that you really are arthur christmas <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah andrew you're steve then 
Uh, yeah, well, yeah, if the family business was delivering presents on Christmas, I would definitely be Steve. <laughs> I would be in the back office answering letters because that's the only job I would be capable of. <laughs> <laughs> we should also say for the, the for this movie, one of the things that I found interesting is so we, Santa's Santa, but but he's not. He wasn't born. His name is not Santa. Santa's a title. Santa's a over the years, there's been many, many Santas, so it sort of tries to justify the existence of the Santa Claus character for anyone watching, like, so that he hasn't been alive his entire life. It's a role that gets passed down through the ages, through a family, and so that's why, you know, Steve and Arthur are both pursuing, in their own ways, the role of Santa, though Steve is obviously the more competent one, Arthur's the more heartwarming, loving one, and you can guess which one is awarded the, the task at the end of the film. <laughs> Yep, and it's and it's crucial to the plot that it plays out that way. But it's weird that they like they have that as the thing that makes sense uh, in the movie, and then they just ignore the fact that somehow uh, Steve has been able to build a spaceship with uh, <laughs> essentially no money uh, and an army of elves who I think like uh, maybe the elves don't die, but or, but like there's been clearly been exponential elf growth elf population growth uh throughout the course of this movie uh like grand santa references the the fact that there were not that many elves previously and but there are like there's an arm there's a mob of elves at multiple (laughs) points during this movie perhaps they're like trained like the unsullied or something like that (laughs) (laughs) that also it is sam that's a great point though because the movie does sort of in some ways, try and be try to apply some realism to the idea of Santa, and then in some ways, obviously, does not. But even that is sort of realistic. That as the you know human population has increased, the elf population has increased, and that's only helped the Santa army get the presents there on time because they need all these elves to give them assistance. So that sort of logically makes sense as well. So it's interesting that Arthur Christmas takes some time to sort of make it all seem possible while also being totally insane and having spaceships and other crazy shit. The, the other thing I was really confused about is how Mrs. Claus enters the equation because they seem to like look the same, and then but where do they come from? Where does Mrs. Claus come from? Uh, maybe that's the sequel. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's totally unclear. Also, Mrs. Claus is she should just be Santa. Like <laughs> she has all of the qualities. She's like a mixture of all of the qualities, right? Like she's a super nice person. Uh, uh, she's jolly like Santa is. Uh, she is like self-sufficient like Steve is, and she clearly has Christmas spirit because towards the end she's like, Arthur didn't screw up Santa. He he brought us here. Like it's a success for Arthur. So I mean, and like there's multiple points where she like fended off a polar bear. <laughs> uh, she took, took an online class to like fly the spaceship. She's uh, she should be Santa. It would have been a nice twist at the end if Arthur was like, you know what, I'm not ready to be Santa yet because I'm I'm still bumbling and too young. M- Mom, why don't you be Santa for a while and then I'll sort of train under your tutelage and then when I'm grown up and, and less of a fool, I can kind of be Santa. The queen regent, if you will. <laughs> I actually think a, I think a key theme of this movie is how women are just massively underappreciated. Like, everything that Santa and Grand Santa say is just rank with misogyny. <laughs> like and lies and deception in- like they 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 they're both oh. just they neither one of them wants to really tell the truth until they have to it's very true i mean grand santa at one point says uh at one point they thought it was crazy that you could teach women how to read <laughs> <laughs> and at another point when Santa is giving a speech after the supposedly successful Christmas run where they left Gwen out, he says, and thank you to Mrs. Claus or whatever her name is, uh, for doing all the things that women do while their husbands are at work. <laughs> what wow. the hell is that about? I totally missed that. Does this really happen? I don't remember this either. Wow. I don't either, but yes. Guys, I've watched it twice. In <laughs> I know. <I'm> not. <laughs> but we don't mean to call you out or say that you're not 100% so wait, accurate. So wait, is this movie good or not? Or is it like a Harvey Weinstein production? <laughs> wow, some real underlying elements. Yeah, I mean, it's like, 
it's a good depiction of of reality in some ways. Uh, so like she just struggles through it and still dominates, you know. So I think she's a powerful woman, and the doddering old fools of men can't hold her down. So I think it's actually a feminist movie. And she seems comfortable that she knows her husband's a doddering fool but loves him anyway. So maybe she's just the kind of woman who is like doesn't mind having power sort of behind the scenes and and is comfortable with her husband being, you know, the the figurehead and the boisterous uh, you know, role model out in the public and she's happy just pulling the strings in the background. Yeah, I think it's fair. Well, if if the movie is maybe feminist, it is definitely definitely very British. So let's pause on that for a second. <laughs> what Brit? Let's start with a list of like what British actors are not in this movie, like like Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart. That's that's pretty much it, right? I don't, I can't think of any other ones. All the all the Brits are in it. Is Laura Linney British? No. Okay. But I was going to say one of the things that's odd is there's not a lot of crossover between this and our next film, which also has all the British people in the world. So it's, that's an interesting twist there that you think they'd have a lot of similar <laughs> actors and actresses, but not really, besides Bill Nye. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, except for maybe the most important character in the uh, next movie. <laughs> <laughs> which which we'll get to, so don't worry about that, everyone. If you don't remember what movie that is, I promise Andrew's going to groan and Sam's going to cheer and I'm going to just sort of uh, sit here quietly <laughs> and we'll get to that. You know, you know what? This, this movie does have a strong amount of overlap with the Harry Potter films, though. Yes, it certainly does. I agree. You got Slughorn and Dolores Umbridge, both in the movie. It's. I mean, there's only so many British people in the world. Eventually, you're gonna have a little bit of crossover, and you know, and use them. It's a small <laughs> island. <laughs> yeah, it's a small. We've milked a lot out of that small island the world has over the last, you know, two thousand years or whatever. It's crazy that they're so little and they produce so many wonderful people to make our lives happy. But it is the. It is. Sam, what do you think about this and the next movie? Are both heavily British, but also touch on Christmas, so it's not coming at it from the American perspective. Do you do you think it doesn't even matter what... Do you think Christmas is just such an overarching theme that it doesn't matter which country you're in? It's just a beautiful idea that we should we can all appreciate, you know, regardless? I mean, it's a little weird for me when he's talking about, like, eating mince pies and stuff. <laughs> that, that makes me uncomfortable, and, when, and I, it always, always bothers me when British people say Happy Christmas. <laughs> I totally agree with that. <laughs> that. That is, every, you know, what grinds my gears. <laughs> that. <laughs> so I mean, those two things bother me, but there are also just uh, uh, a, a lot of like iconic British things and incredibly charming British things that uh, sort of like make up for those uh, massive deficiencies. Like it, towards the end, like when Grand Santa and Arthur are having sort of their moment where they come together, is like, Grand Santa goes, oh, Giroff. And, like, only British people say Giroff and, and <laughs> mean something. But, like, it's such an amazing moment that is, like, a mixture of this, like, weird, stiff, upper lip British mentality that is that just, like, really transmits the emotion that i wanted at that moment keep calm and christmas on oh nice, nice. <laughs> good job andrew i i will say just just to go back to the merry christmas thing that really but like merry merry as a word seems like a very british word so why don't british people say it it just seems like they're zigging when they should zag or maybe yeah. they zigged first and we're zagging and it's just it just sort of works out who knows Seems like a very un-American thing to do. I don't know. <laughs> oh, another thing that I wanted to uh, talk about, about it being British, uh, J- Jim Broadbent, who is uh, Slughorn. And many he, other things. But... He, well, mostly Slughorn, but he, <laughs> he's also in another Christmas movie called Get Santa, uh-huh. which is also British, um, where it, it's kind of, it's, it's a similar... Uh, it's like the bad version of what would happen if Arthur Christmas didn't save Christmas, where Santa's sleigh goes down and then like Christmas doesn't happen, uh, and Santa gets imprisoned, and it's and it's like sort of like a comedy inside of a prison, and like literally every other British actor is in that one too, 
And even to the point where this, like the second lead is his name is also Steve. <laughs> so Jim Broadbent has been in two incredibly British Christmas movies playing Santa Claus. This does look extremely British. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> Thank you for not <laughs> making us watch that, this. Although maybe it would be good. I don't know. There's that guy from Snatch. Uh, Willow is in it. That that guy from Willow. Yep. Warwick <laughs> Davis. Person. Laura yeah. Davis. Yeah. He's a little person. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. He's, You're he's also the Ewok, the main Ewok. He is the main Ewok. Me. Wicked. Yeah, wicked. Yeah, yeah. Sam, if you want to record a Get Santa podcast and just send it over yourself, we'll see if we can find time <laughs> to put that out. Yeah, it'll just be, be me talking for two hours. <laughs> that that and the uh the Mar Mario Lopez Melissa Joan Hart one. Oh, we I'm need that for sure. watching Very highly rated. <laughs> Almost seven stars on IMDb. <laughs> IMDb. So one of the things I thought was interesting that we were talking about a little bit beforehand is, and Sam, I'm curious to get your take on this as well, because it, uh, knowing the the broader themes, or what you define at least as the broader themes of a Christmas movie, there's really no antagonist here at all. There's the, the Obviously there's a conflict they need to get the, the bike to Gwen, but Steve is a very... Um, minimally aggressive antagonist like he has his own ideas for what christmas should be and he sort of is misguided and he figured he writes his wrongs pretty quickly but he otherwise he's not really making things harder for anybody it's more external uh actions and external forces how do you feel about that do you feel that antagonism is necessary i mean i feel like normally if there is one he or she has his or her heart warmed by the end and turns around is that do you think that's a key element or do you think that could be uh, skipped uh well okay so I think that there are three antagonists in this film and essentially <laughs> everyone, but Arthur Christmas. <laughs> I think Steve is definitely antagonist. I think that grand Santa is an antagonist and I think Santa is also an antagonist. I think Santa plays dumb personally. I think he knows what Steve wants and he's just a selfish prick. And, and that's just how he lives his life. I mean, he goes to sleep so fast. After Steve gives him that, like, honestly, it's a bullshit response. And Steve was complicit in that. I mean, why can't you take S1 out? All you have to do to fix this problem from the beginning is just take S1 out. Deliver the present to Gwen. (laughs) You're done. The movie's done in 20 minutes. Sorry. The movie's done in 35 minutes. The the way you're describing regular Santa is very, like, Uncle frank like i feel like so i so in so to answer your question more directly i think that you don't necessarily need an antagonist in a christmas movie and it helps uh, you don't necessarily need one but i think that there are three in this one you don't i mean i i think it makes sense and that you don't need because home alone like you said uncle frank is an antagonist i obviously but he's not trying to thwart kevin in any way kevin is you know the antagonists are marv and harry and then also just the situation. So Christmas movies do seem to fall a lot of times into the place where the situation can antagonize and the the stresses and the complications of the holiday season can almost be enough of antagonists to get by. You don't really need a, a sneering, you know, evil man or woman who's like manipulating behind the scenes. A lot of them have that too, but I do think the the, the character or the setting of Christmas sometimes can stand on its own and serve a lot of purposes, good and bad and sort of stand in and minimize the need to bring in some other situation that would that would complicate matters uh, without it i so i think the antagonist is poor poor customer service and this is really just a movie a business movie that's what, <laughs> that's what i think personally like i think i think the the other santa claus family men forget about the importance of treating every customer well and that and that's that's what the whole movie is about so it's it's really like it's really like a business self-help book more than anything else right they're just focusing on net promoter score right exactly yeah your nps score yep (sighs) i mean honestly is there anyone more selfish than steve santa and grand santa they're the most selfish people all the like the eat, eat like up until like literally in the in the final scene of the movie they're fighting over the bike <laughs> they're fighting over the bike just like they fought over the santa token in the christmas game it's like that all that tells me is they've learned nothing <laughs> yeah they're not customer centric 
It's. I mean, it is. It does. That is a classic Christmas trope, though. A Christmas movie trope, right? Is that it's overly commercialized and people don't. You know, they're treating it like a business. It's their job. They they've been raised on Christmas and they don't realize. But Arthur is such a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed young man. He still he still has that belief. But maybe he'll get burned out of Arthur too. Who knows? Arthur in thirty years of being Santa, he might be a cranky old coot too. Well, yeah. he had his he has moment on the beach in Cuba, you know, when he was like. It's really uh, weird they're in Cuba, too. That's a very interesting yeah, twist. Yeah. All of the locations in this movie are totally random. <laughs> Extremely <laughs> There's random. no rhyme or reason. There's no reason that they have to go to Africa, first of all, except to make uh, a bunch of uh, uh, a- animals fly. I'm convinced that's the only reason they did it. Yeah, that seems about right. <clears throat> Uh, so, um, what else did anyone think about this? Do you think, I know, Andrew, I know you had some thoughts about the animation. Like, it's, it's not that old of a movie, but I would definitely <laughs> say, compared to other ones, it sort of shows its, its age a little bit. Yeah, that, my only, like, major knock on this film is the, the, I think the animation is pretty poor quality. Uh, this is, I think Sony put it out, and, um, British people put it out. So yeah, just British people. Uh, just look. Like yeah, the it's British people and Sony. So like, I, I guess I don't. I I sort of said this in our like email thread about it. I I actually think I'm probably being too harsh on it, but like, if you've seen some of the animated films that like Disney and Pixar have put out lately, um, especially like, you know, Moana or anything Pixar's done, it it, it just the quality that the quality there wasn't. It felt a little made for tv uh that that's my only big big criticism of the movie is just it it, i I kind of have after seeing like movies like moana have a little bit higher standard which is perhaps unfair um i mean when i heard it was an aardman movie who made wallace and gromit and chicken run and all those stop motion you know clay animated movies i got excited that i didn't know Mm -hmm. if it was going to be that type of movie but i certainly hold them to a high standard or i think they're very interesting in the way they do animation and this was pretty much as by the book as it gets you know (laughs) I don't know if Sam's that might be boiling Sam's blood to say that, but uh, well, I wish it, I wish it had been stop motion animation because I actually think it it I mean obviously that would have taken a lot longer to make the movie, but um, I actually think this has a, a lot of the sort of qualities of like the old Rudolph movies and a lot of the other like the, those stop motion 1960s 1970s specials, um, and I don't I don't know why they didn't do something like Wallace and Gromit or the Shaw the sheep movie or whatever but um i would have preferred that actually i guess it would have been hard to do like a santa yeah, spaceship what about, what about a giant spaceship that's yeah, the... that would have been difficult <laughs> what about a giant spaceship andrew huh what about a giant spaceship well maybe you need leica studios then i bet leica could do it uh yeah that didn't bother me at all i don't care <laughs> I, I understand what you guys are saying i love uh, moana but uh I think, it, if anything, it adds adds to the appeal. <laughs> How does it add to the appeal? Wait, hold on a second. Yeah, like you, can, you can discount the quality on a lot of counts, but how does it actually add to the appeal of the movie to have subpar animation? Uh, it's like uh, it's like if Holiday Inn was in uh, in color. Wait, it's better for it to be. Uh... No, that's not the same. <laughs> It's better Uh-oh, for it brothers. To be like up around the end. That's not the same. Black and white is an intentional choice and was with Holiday Inn. Yeah, and it's great. Just like computer animation was an intentional choice with this movie. And like I I, I don't know. I'm just not bothered by it and I think honestly the it, I think it will hold up better in the long term given that it's not trying to like be uh you know a first mover in the technology space or whatever. <laughs> I would agree with Sam only in the barest sense that it is it didn't seem to be focused that much on the animation overall. So I don't know if that gets at any bonus points as he would define it, but I uh, I think it was I didn't it didn't bother me too much, Andrew. I don't think you're wrong, but it didn't it didn't I didn't hold it down or or think any less of it because it didn't, it wasn't Moana. Moana is a is a visual masterpiece, so I certainly I can't hold anything to that standard. But I know what you're saying it it, it didn't uh, it didn't blow me away in any real way. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's fine. But I, I just I don't think it adds to the appeal if the animation is no. subpar. But Sam mediocre. loves Arthur Christmas, so we can we can't take that away from I him. I think or... the movie can overcome subpar animation, <laughs> still be an enjoyable experience. I would agree with that. But I 
I personally found it to be distracting at times or noticeable. Yeah. All right. <laughs> We're never going to come to an agreement on that particular topic. Sam, let's talk about where this fits in the Christmas movie landscape. As you talked about last time, you 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 know gave a really well detailed explanation of you know how you judge the genre, where you, you know the, the elements that you think make up a good or bad or just Christmas movie in general. Um, how did you think this works? Like this this has a lot of the the same tropes and ideas, characters, situations you'd expect. Um, do you think it? Where, how do you think it fits in that regard? Does, does it just settle right in amongst the pack, or does it stand out in any real way? I mean, uh, it obviously stands out because it's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> it definitely fits into the underrated or underwatched gems, uh, but it hits all the main points that I talked about last time. I mean, I cry. Uh, there's tons of physical comedy. Like uh, most of the movie is physical comedy. Uh, you got the bumbling oaf, unlikely hero taps into Christmas frenzy. Like the whole reason the plot exists is because Christmas is so frenzied. Um, you have multiple Scrooge type characters. The only thing that it misses is um, the lack of like a signature song. And I, I, I did kind of miss that. And I think that if there had been either an original or like a remade song of some kind, that it may have gotten slightly broader appeal. Uh, and so I think that that's the only thing that really holds it back. Oh, also it's animated in British, which were two of my, like, it helps if you have this. <laughs> <laughs> what do you define as a signature song exactly? Cause you said that before and I didn't really bring it up and I'm, is it just like a Christmas song that is used in some way? Like, like how in love actually they play the, the, which we're going to talk about them. Spoilers. I know. Sorry. Everyone knows. Everyone <laughs> no, listened to the first say. episode. <laughs> No, I I literally know nothing about Love Actually, so you actually are kind of spoiled. Oh yeah, the film. they they play a it, song. If a shitty film can possibly be spoiled, any <laughs> worse than it being well, shitty. I, so here's the thing: is uh, it can it can be in a, a, a number of groups. The the first is like, uh, literally like Holiday Inn, right? Where you have a song that is essentially the only thing that people really remember from that movie. Uh, where it's like, I mean, that's a classic, though. You can't really recreate that now. Um, or it can be like Elf, where uh, the song is seated early, where it's like singing loud for all to hear. Like the, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear, right? And it's seated early, and then it comes through at a pivotal moment in the movie and just crushes. Or it can be... And, and that's using a classic Christmas carol, right? But then the third one is like where is a Home Alone instance where the score is so iconic and like that movie is not what it is without the score. So I think it's got to be one of those three. And a lot of them have it and some of them don't. Most of the garbage ones don't. Uh, it's, it, Love Actually is like essentially a garbage movie constructed around an amazing uh, Christmas song. <laughs> which Andrew will have revealed to him in the very near future. Uh, I feel like Home Alone is the one of the perfect movies in this regard because it actually combines both a great John Williams score that is very memorable with some really great usage of classic Christmas carols. Like you got Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree when he's like doing the um, Michael Jordan like, <laughs> On the <train>. silhouette thing. <laughs> and then you got like the choir doing Carol the Bells in that movie right before Kevin like goes back to the house and stuff like that. So true, true. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that was a, that was a missing, missing component for me. I, I think the other thing about like, I, I was actually thinking about your breakdown of the sub sub genres. And I think like this one actually fits into another one that I'm going to propose right now. And let me know what you guys think. But like, there's actually like a, a class of films that probably covers across all the ones you talked about, Sam. That's just like the Santa character study. It's like the biopic of Christmas movies, actually, <laughs> in a lot of ways. And like this is a Santa character study. Um, like obviously like Santa Claus would be one. Um, like the old Burl Ives, Santa Claus is coming to town would be one. Miracle on 34th Street. They like delve into the Santa. Like a lot of times. Santa can be like this ancillary character or a secondary character like an elf or something like that or or the Santa is just kind of like used for comedic effect like in um, a Christmas story when he goes to the top of the slide and everything 
But like, there's also films that just dive into like who Santa is and uh, how much how stressful his life is. So I think you should add that to your list, Sam. Uh, you know, I th- that's an interesting point. You missed a key movie, which is Fred Claus. <laughs> Andrew, I'm, come on, man! I've never seen it, so yeah. Sorry, Vince Vaughn and, and Paul Giamatti. Which, How which, is Vince Vaughn in two Christmas movies? It just doesn't even whatever. I'm surprised he's not in more. To be honest, <laughs> like that man is all about cashing in. Also, apparently, Fred Claus was directed by someone who also directed Wedding Crashers. Is that true? I, I saw that. that true. I remember seeing that in the trailers back in the day and thinking, oh, Fred Claus must be good because it's directed by David Dobkin. And then you're like, well, no, I don't... Fred I, Claus is good. I was going to say, I was about to say it's not good, but then I was like, well, Sam's going to correct me, so... No, Fred Claus is good. Uh, my favorite fact about Fred Claus, now that we're on the topic, is that the Wikipedia page for the plot uh, is has been flagged by Wikipedia for being either too long or uh, too detailed. <laughs> and I'm like, who is writing it? Like, I'm, I was surprised that I wasn't the one, like, correcting the plot to be like, oh, this isn't detailed enough. <laughs> Seriously, Fred Claus is great, though. It's, it's uh, it, it, You should watch it. <laughs> All right, we'll keep that in mind, I promise. Maybe next year. <laughs> it's on my list this year, so... So I know another thing that everyone brought up, and I think this is one of the more interesting elements of this movie, is the title and the way this movie is sort of presented. I know there's some heated opinions. I think even Sam would agree that this is not maybe... Arthur Christmas may not necessarily be indicative of what this movie is or may not mean anything at all and may be a detriment to the movie. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, I just think that the title itself is lazy, and I think it's the biggest reason that no one, if this is truly an underwatched gem, that no one has ever heard of it. Because uh, it doesn't, well, as I joked, it sounds like a spinoff from Dumb and Dumber, you know, Lloyd Christmas, Arthur Christmas, like his cousin or something like that. Um, and I just, I don't, like, I don't even know why the movie is called Arthur Christmas. It should be called Arthur Claus at minimum. But, like, I, like, I think you'd come up with even more clever names than that, you know. Uh, like Mission Santa or something. I don't know. Like, come on. <laughs> something else that telegraphs a little bit better, like what the film is actually going to be about. Yeah. Um, uh, like most Christmas movies, like uh, most Christmas movies don't like, don't like have a artsy title that doesn't c- convey anything about the movie. You know, they usually are more direct. So I don't know. I, I have like, I have like four Christmases. <clears throat> like, you know what you're getting with that movie. Yeah, I've never seen the movie, and I, I can kind of guess what it's about. Even so. Fred Claus, you you can guess pretty easily it's yeah. Santa's brother or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's because, I don't know if this movie came out before or after Fred Claus, but maybe they didn't want to make Arthur Claus. It came out <laughs> after Fred Claus, so I bet, I honestly bet that's, and also I bet they just wanted to get Christmas in the title, because like you said, Andrew, they are direct, and I feel like this was their attempt to to reference a character and then also tack Christmas on there, so in case you're confused, it's a Christmas movie, go see it, everybody, and... But in the end, Arthur Christmas makes no sense. And one of the more annoying things is the last title card, or the last card in the movie, scene in the movie, is the movie Uh. trying to reinforce that Arthur Christmas is a thing. (laughs) Like, as if he's suddenly risen to the rank of Arthur Christmas. Yeah, that that definitely, definitely upsets me. (laughs) The, The only thing positive I'll say about it is that potentially it's potentially a big reason why not that many people know about it. And I feel like good and happy inside that (laughs) I sort of like have this little Christmas secret for myself because it's named Arthur Christmas. So you're like a Christmas hipster. I'm like a, no. uh, Yeah. I know that makes me sound like that. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess maybe. Sam, I don't know. Give me the other movies you love so openly. I don't think I could call you a Christmas hipster myself <laughs> because yeah, yeah, your unabashed yeah. enjoyment of things it seems direct in contrast with yeah, what hipsters. You're not, you're not. You're not watching Arthur Christmas, ironically enough. I don't think. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I just love deep tracks. Yeah. Well, what? Wait. Okay. So here's a question. What are some of the other hidden gems of Christmas movies? Because I don't. I, I honestly don't. Don't know. I can't name any other ones that you would mention. 
Wow, that's a great question. Uh, so I put holiday and handcuffs on there. <laughs> is, that, the is that the one we've... Okay, that's I was going to say. I, I, don't, I don't know that by name. <laughs> uh, TV movie, in case every, <laughs> anyone missed the first episode. Or it was actually really good. Uh, you know what other one? Uh, I, I don't know if that many people have seen, but uh, it, it's sort of... It's in the it's in the mix between uh, non-standard and and hidden gems is just friends with uh, with Ryan Reynolds oh, where, I've seen that. and Amy Smart. He's like fat, or he used to be fat, and he goes home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and that girl from Scary Movie is in it, and she's crazy. Yeah, Anna Faris. And yeah, she. Yeah, so that one's pretty good. I I, I think. I don't know the 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 underwatch. It's tough for Christmas movies to be, you know, underrated underwatch. Honestly, I'm gonna be, full disclosure. I created that category for Arthur Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur Christmas made 147 million dollars too, so it's not as if no one saw Arthur Christmas. I just think it. I think I think it, the 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 surprising part is that it's not as an animated movie of this sort wasn't insanely popular. It was only mildly popular. Yeah, and then no one talks about it now, six years later, really. Yeah. I mean, besides Sam. Besides Sam, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an Arthur Christmas evangelist. You really are. Clearly, <laughs> two more converts here, I guess. Sam, here's a wow. question for you. So what do you think? Does it oh. live up? Does it live up? Does it live up to the underrated, uh, underwatched designation that I've given it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was nice. I don't know. I, I didn't like. I, I'm not. I'm not like ready to say I'm gonna watch it every year. But uh, it was. I, I watched it with Anna, my two-year-old. She she enjoyed it. It seemed to help her understand the concept of Santa better than ever before. So I don't know. I just. I mean, I. I have a such a different approach than you, Sam. Like I have. There's certain movies that I think are really great at Christmas time, and then everything else is just like. In fact, like even Christmas Vacation is one like that I I think is good, but I don't make a point to watch it every year. I mean, there's only a select few there, so I have kind of a different approach. Yeah, Sam, you're gonna consider me very curmudgeonly by the end of this because I just do not give a shit about these movies at all, and I, <laughs> at least in the con I don't give a shit about them in the context of I hold them, I give them no uh, extra credit for being charming or for being relevant to the season or for for filling me with christmas joy i just don't get any christmas joy like i can only look at them as movies and i'm wow. like yeah this kind of sucks like i've seen way better animated <laughs> movies like i i judge them in the actual genres they live in and not the sam genres and subgenres <laughs> that i so enjoy but cannot fully adopt so i just look at them and i go eh, i've seen 50 better animated movies so whatever this is not very good this is oh okay <laughs> All right, so I just wrote down a uh, direct quote from Steve Semino. I don't get any Christmas joy. I think uh, that I think you're actually quoting Ebenezer Scrooge there. <laughs> I I just can only tell you I can only be honest with you. I don't want to I don't want to jerk you around. I don't want to build your hopes up. I just you know we're only one movie in, and I liked it, but it's just you know it is what it is. You know what you're doing, Steve, right? Rallying you up. You're setting yourself up for the redemption. <laughs> <laughs> that's true I didn't even realize it but you're 100% right that's exactly what I'm doing I can't wait I can't wait I thought you were going to say he's playing the Tom role in this scenario just shitting all over Al Pacino even when he's good um, <laughs> I sort of am I guess, I, I guess I'll know Tom's perspective when we do the next Al Pacino episode Tom, well, I listened to those episodes again recently and Tom is really just totally a dick and unreasonable <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sam. I totally agree. See, we have common he's, ground there. He's a re he's a wrestling heel. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. and I don't want to be the wrestling heel. I don't want to be the guy who thinks like Sam. I I don't. When I say that, it is in no way questioning your enjoyment of them. I just don't get it. And so maybe that's the redemption. Is by the end of this, I will just have a little more insight into the joy you feel because I just don't feel it. Well, yeah. I mean, I wish I could say I understand that, but I don't. So. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't want you to at this point. I want you to be you, and so I'm. I'm glad that you know. Without without you, this podcast doesn't exist. So I'm really happy that there's a Steve and a Sam out there to counterbalance each other. Well, uh, without without Sam, this podcast doesn't ex. It might exist, but it definitely is not as fun. Yeah, there you go. That's a good way to put it.
I have a couple of other quick hits on this movie. Sure. Um, News and notes. Go ahead. Uh, so, you know when the elves show up at Santa's door towards the end, and they're like, did you really miss a child? Do you know that? No? Mm-hmm. You know yeah. That part? yeah. Yeah. How amazing would it be if this movie just like took a turn and the elves just murdered Santa? (laughs) (laughs) Like he was revealed as a betrayer to their cause. You, yeah, like you don't actually care about children. You're, you've just been like riding for some number of years on your reputation. And like, it's time to like out with the old like French revolution. Let's guillotine him. (laughs) They went all like Woodland Critter Christmas special on him. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Andrew. I don't know if your daughter would have enjoyed it so much if Santa was murdered in the end of the show. <laughs> she wouldn't have watched it if that was the case. Yes, <laughs> uh, yeah, one, and then uh, 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 no, yeah, I think that was it. I think that was it. Well, Sam, you provided a remarkable amount of insight so far. So that I've come to expect nothing less, but it doesn't make it any more any less satisfying when you do do it. So. You, oh, the, the last thing was I was trying to get uh, the search for Santa Paws into this podcast. What is that? Uh, uh, it's a dog. It's a dog-based movie. <laughs> <laughs> is that a genre of its own? Dog-based. <laughs> dog. Dog-based Christmas movies. <laughs> Not yet, but is there, who knows? Is there an air? Is there an Air Bud Christmas movie? There's it's sh- like it's like uh you know that Cuba Gooding Jr. movie uh Snow Snow Dogs. I I do know that. Movie. Sure, we all know that. It's a dog it's a dog based movie. So <laughs> uh, I, it's one of the ones that's more questionable that's like a pun play on words uh about uh I mean it's the search for Santa pause, you know? So sure. is Santa a dog in this scenario or uh, I'm not. I'm not clear on the details. <laughs> well, <laughs> again, if you want to record these, if you want to do a side podcast, Sam, we're on board. We, I just don't know if we have time for these dog-themed Christmas movies. <laughs> you guys, guys want to go on the journey with me? Or? <laughs> we're, we're already going on a journey, man. It's already started. That's Sam, we're Sam, a third of the way there. Any other genre? Of, do you watch any other genre of film besides? Christmas movies, dog movies, and action movies. Like, what is there a time for anything else? I watch Disney movies too. Disney movies, okay. (laughs) That's pretty much it. Because those are like the five major food groups. To quote uh, Will Ferrell and Elf. Nice. Hey, there we go. All right. If there's there's never been a better way to end this particular episode. (laughs) So good job, Andrew. So let's end it on a high note before we talk about what's next. Ugh. That's the highest note, and we're about to hit a potential low note, although one of the more popular low notes <laughs> in Christmas movie history. Uh, if you listen to our first episode, you know what's coming, and we referenced it earlier. After this, next Monday, we are doing Love Actually, the 2003 Richard Curtis film, christmas theme rom-com, hotly debated, sometimes beloved, sometimes despised. Andrew's never seen it. I haven't seen it in a very long time, perhaps never all the way through, but all three of us will be watching it in its entirety, and we'll be talking about it next Monday. Uh, Sam, what, give us a little teaser. What are your Love Actually thoughts? What, 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 in your opinion, what can we come to expect during our journey through Love Actually? Uh, it, uh, well, Love Actually launched a genre uh, on its own, uh, or a format, a format, maybe not a genre, but a format, uh, which is incredible. Uh, just Everything about the ensemble cast uh, in Love Actually is just completely, completely amazing. Especially looking back at Love Actually, like however many years later, whether it's ten or fifteen, I don't even know. Uh, it, it's amazing to watch Love Actually now. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Well, I don't know. I think we could probably wait, but we have no choice. We cannot wait either. By law of podcasts. We will be consuming Love Actually uh, yeah. in the very near future. Oh, God. Uh, so our friend, our mutual friend Mark, the minute he listened to this episode today, the previous episode today, he Mark is the biggest champion of Love Actually of anyone that I know. And he started texting me immediately 
like building a case already, like a legal brief to me of why this movie is good or something like that. So, well, he's he's gonna be hotly enjoying a week from I, now when we. <laughs> so I'm like mad already. I'm so mad. <laughs> I yeah, I'm so excited because this is like a this is a great moment for a younger brother to have with their older brother and to have it be broadcast to millions of people is <laughs> just really like. Thank you so much, Steve, for this opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> so Love Actually is not... It looks like it may be streaming on Netflix on December 14th. But if it's not, it is, of course, available on all of the traditional channels. YouTube, Amazon Video, iTunes. So if you want to join along with us, or perhaps you could find it on some other streaming service, just look for Love Actually, because you'll want to enjoy this one with us. Is, we may pay money to see it. Andrew may pull out his hard-earned dollars and invest in Love Actually. He's going to be groaning the entire time. His wife is going to be smacking him, hopefully. Does your wife like it, Andrew? What is Amanda's thoughts? She'll be happy. She probably likes it. All right. That's uh, it's two hours. I just look at the runtime and it's two hours and fifteen minutes, and I'm even more angry now. How is <laughs> no, it, Andrew? How is it wrong? I'm seeing two hours. And t- I'm seeing two hours and twenty-five minutes. Fuck me. <laughs> well, how, you got to get Liam Neeson his screen time. I mean, come on. You got a cast like this; they all need their time. You got Andrew Lincoln from The Walking Dead. Kira Knightley. I mean, it's it's an all-star cast. Pre-Oscars It'll, Firth. No quote-unquote comedy, which I'm sure this actually isn't, uh, should be longer than 100 minutes, in my opinion. <laughs> Don't forget Rickman. Don't forget Rickman. There's Rickman. There's Emma Thompson. There's the whole gang. Hugh? Oh, Emma Thompson. Oh, Emma I, Thompson's great. There's Andrew Lincoln, presumably screaming, where's Carl? Oh, he misses baby Carl so much. There's a lot to talk about. I can't wait, AJ. Chiwete Ojafor, he's there too. Rufus, Rowan Atkinson. I love Rowan Atkinson. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. It is amazing that there isn't more overlap, given how British these two movies are. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty impressive. So there you go, everyone. That's our next film, Love Actually. It'll be hard. It'll definitely be on all the channels. So if if you don't even try, you may stumble upon it over the next week. But in one week, we will be back on the NREL Deep podcast, talking about Love Actually diving deeper into the Christmas movie phenomenon and dissecting that for almost as long, if not longer, than we dissected the great Arthur Christmas. So, Sam, thank you all again for coming on and sharing your Christmas expertise with us. No problem. Andrew, good luck to you. This is going to be a rough week, but I believe you've seen a lot of bad movies in your day and you will persevere. Yeah, we'll find out where this one ranks near the bottom. So. <laughs> And again, thank you all for listening, and we'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios. Ooh, the rest soon will come our way. Santa very soon will come our way. Eight little